Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. With the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hey boys! Hi, Stranger Danger. <laughs> well, I was about to say welcome back. Welcome back to me. <laughs> welcome back to Thomas Jaspers. <laughs> um, I'm back, but sadly Luke's not here this week. But don't worry, I will try to be as annoying as possible. <laughs> to try and How make are you, up doll? What's been going on? Yeah, where that bloody hell view? Well, I pl- I pl- so I've, I've just had 10 days in Dalesford, which is... Well, actually, I'll, wow. I'll explain it in a second. But... I'd booked that in ages ago, but prior to going away, you might remember the last episode I was on, which was with you, Kyle, and I was yeah. like all excited for everything to be reopening, and I had my new <laughs> oh, comedy night starting yeah. at Molly's, and I was plugging my new comedy night, and then between, I think between recording that episode and it going to air, they announced that venues wouldn't be able to open up to 50 people, so all of this work that I'd put into this new night at Molly's got put in the can, and of oh, course, nice. since then, we've discovered that not only that, now all venues are completely closing, and Melbourne has gone into full lockdown once once again, um, for the, the whole of Metro Melbourne. I had a little meltdown about that, which was a bit annoying. But yeah, luckily, my my gorgeous boyfriend, Dr. Hot Dr. Boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Does he have a name? <laughs> <laughs> he has a name. <laughs> what it starts with. I think it's an S. <laughs> anyway, Hot Dr. Boyfriend, uh, who is also British, was supposed to be flying back to the UK for his uh, brother's wedding a little while ago. And that obviously had to be cancelled. Oh, so a little while ago, he was like, shit, well, I've got to use this two weeks of leave up because the hospital has this rule where you've got to use up your leave every six months or something like that. So we were like, let's just book it as far away as he's allowed to book it, which was, you know, start of July. Um, because, of course, by then, this whole COVID thing will be done. It'll be dusted. Everything yeah. will be over. <laughs> so <laughs> we booked, we spent seven nights in this gorgeous little cabin in Wheatsheaf, which is just outside Dalesford. Okay. And it was like on five acres, five acres of bush in a very sort of modern cabin with lots of 
glass, like it had one wall that's just completely glass that looked down into these big old gum trees. There was kangaroos at our window every morning, and he's like really into bird watching. <laughs> so he, he was really, he was like loving all like the kookaburras and the rosellas and all that sort of stuff. So that was <laughs> we had no mobile phone reception as well, which was very good oh, for the what mental health. And no, there was no television as well. So oh, it was literally oh. just music, red wine, books, puzzles, lots of cooking, lots of hikes. We did some gorgeous hikes around um, Dalesford and and Hepburn and all that sort of stuff. Sounds awesome. Yeah, so we had seven <laughs> days doing that, and then we had three days. Some, some friends of mine came into Dalesford, and we booked a, a nice big house in Dalesford. Had the last three days drinking and, and having dinner with those friends, and going to some lovely restaurants in Dalesford. Um, oh, the food so there nice. is just. Absolutely incredible. Um, and, of course, we had the places to ourselves because of the COVID-19 restrictions about how many people they could allow. <laughs> yeah, so they could only allow 20 people. So that was pretty much our group and that was it. Um, and then on the Sunday, I think it was, no, the Saturday, they announced the towers going into lockdown, which, is, of course, has been yes. horrific. And then a few days ago, they've locked it. The entire city's gone back into lockdown. Yeah. So I'm very excited that I had a big fuck fest with my boyfriend um, <laughs> Not be nice. 10 days because we're now going to be stuck in my house with my housemates <laughs> so. have you boys been good yeah you know back at work again um back at the well i have been back at the gym getting excited um oh, which has been great but boy. now that everything is closed down that's all like going on hold again which is fine like it's not the end of the world so you, this um, is a decision you've made is to go down the fitness a bit more down the fitness yes path. so i've decided because like i I enjoy fitness quite a lot and I just feel like I just want to learn more about it. So I'm going to go back to school and study. So I'm going to be a poor school student. Oh, um, boy. Which is exciting. Um, But that may be put on hold as well. um, Seeing how things with lockdown go. Um, But my boss wants us to work all the way through, which is a bit stressful, but we'll see what happens. Um, Otherwise things are great. (laughs) Good. I was really disappointed because Duncan and I just got really into f45 we're going yeah. like every day and my oh body my is God. Pain and it was hurting so <laughs> i don't good. know how you do that yeah. i did that for two weeks before christmas last uh, year and it nearly yeah. killed me and yeah. we were like meal prepping and i was like yes like i've been feeling so shit about myself and quarantine <laughs> and all this stuff so i'm like finally i'm gonna like start feeling good about yeah, myself yeah. and it's like just getting to like the thick of it and then it's like bah, bah. yeah yeah uh, yeah. I surprisingly, because I fucking hate fitness, um, <laughs> but have decided that this lockdown, I've I've got a realistic little work regime. I spoke to a friend of mine who's into all the, the gym stuff, yeah. and I was like, "Look, I don't want something ridiculous because I'm not going to do it. I'll do it for two days, yeah. and that's it." So he's giving me a much more realistic workout for someone like me because what, I've, like the exercise ooh. lifting a fork to your mouth. I I I usually hover around the early 90s of kilograms and i can't believe i'm saying this in public but maybe it's a motivator that i'm now accepting Mm. it um i've been around about 113 kilo so i've literally put on nearly 20 kilos Mm -hmm. um since lockdown which is a large amount in a small amount of time and i think it's because i didn't realize how much incidental exercise i used to do so yeah i've decided fuck it i'm gonna do something about it i'm not gonna be a muscle mary like mikey you're going to be in a few months because i know how determined you are (laughs) and how good you are with that but i'm gonna i'm gonna at least get back to my um my standard, my pre-COVID yeah. workouts. Yeah, and it's just about doing what you feel comfortable with and feeling good. Like, I just wanted exactly. to chasing those endorphins. Like, come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make me feel something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But yeah, like you don't realize how much incidental exercise you do. Like when you are going into the office and when you are walking to work and then all of a sudden when you don't have any of yeah. that, it's just like, oh shit. Look at us turning into a fitness podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're a fitness Leave that now. Sydney shit at the door. <laughs> Oh my god. So ever since this bloody coronavirus has started, there's yeah. been countless things circulating the internet. And like a lot of them are really like easy to laugh off, but it's kind of also getting to a stage where it's like it should make you worry because these people mm. are circulating all these like myths and rumors and it kind of gets out of hand and now they're like merging with the people like who are freaked out about 5G towers saying oh it's God, all like, related. Yeah. So like 5G is giving us all coronavirus. Yeah. So there's a lot of myths going out there. I think one of the most disturbing kind of fucked up ones was uh, that people doing the nasal swabbing to test for coronavirus. Yes. Oh my We're God. importing microchips into the back of people's yes. throats as part of the, and I quote, plandemic, which was all funded by Bill Gates. So they think there's no pandemic. It's all like a conspiracy and it's just like made by the government to microchip us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, poor Bill Gates. Like, I know. I don't so often much. feel sorry for billionaires, but the poor guy has spent so much of his time and money trying to stop the spread of HIV mm. and AIDS for decades, trying to get clean water and education to the most remote parts of the world. Like he's yeah. genuinely <laughs> using his his wealth for good, and then these fucking assholes on the computer decide mm. that like a bunch of Karens be like, like "No, we're getting microchips." I know, like the anti-vaxxers and stuff, and uh, it's just it's like I have family members who believe this and try to have rational yeah. conversations with me about it, and I'm like, I just I just oh, try and like no. to not cause fights, but I'm like, mm-hmm. they're obsessive with it as well. Yeah, like, yeah, they're... like so obsessive, and then like with some of my family members, like um back in South Africa and stuff, and then like it's kind of tailored, like because it moves and changes like in like different regions and like where like these people talk about stuff but like in regards to south africa it's about like the government trying to overthrow like the whites and stuff and oh, like yeah oh it like God. literally becomes this whole thing of like reverse apartheid kind of crap yeah yeah it's it's like so that the government is implementing this plan to like weaken white farmers and stuff like that um stop it so now so now it's like it's 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 a government conspiracy like cover-up because like the 5g towers are giving us coronavirus and then they'll post like these videos of people like who've apparently been like a technician for like 40 years and blah 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 but they quit when they couldn't like like they couldn't stand by anymore to seeing the wrong thing done and they're here to tell you the truth about 5g towers and how it like affects your cells please explain to me where you're getting this information but like what makes you think that 5G gives you COVID. I don't understand. Like, how is it giving you a viral disease? Because it's like <laughs> altering your cells on a molecular level. So it's like creating this kind of cancer and stuff. Yeah. And then, do you know what? It's just it's it's a it's a cycle that has happened for a very totally, very, like very long time. In the 1910s, people thought that there were vapors coming out of the electrical sockets in the oh house. God, mm-hmm. Yes, um, and, and that they would get sick from the vapors off the electrical socket. Like, they had a big smear campaign didn't they against electricity electricity. yeah yeah Yeah. very much like my electricity now (laughs) i mean it's valid in the fact that you could burn your house down quite easily back then there was no no, uh, covered uh, wires but as far as spreading disease and things like that like there's always ridiculous rumors and that sort of thing having said Mm -hmm. that you know they do need to be investigated somewhat because then of course you do have things like asbestos which did turn out to actually be quite evil but things like and they're just like i'm building as best as i can (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's your one pun for today, all right? Oh, yes. (laughs) Got it in. (laughs) But, yeah, when your facts are coming from, like, you know, Mm. Eiffel Man 65 on... Yeah, literally. On some Reddit forum, that dark web forum that you found, you know, maybe don't be bringing it up at family dinners too often. Oh, God, I just don't get that these people think that all the doctors in the world must be lying. Like, they're just, like, in this weird cult and they're just, like, lying. I'm like, you don't think any of these doctors would come forward, but then the ones that do come forward are all these, like, weird people growing, like, strange things in their backyard (laughs) (laughs) and, like, have crazy eyes. (laughs) And And it's it's very similar to the Flat Earth conspiracy, isn't it? Yes. Oh, God, they're all blending into one. But it's an entire web of stuff. So it's, you know, uh, it's 5G related to COVID-19. It's all linked together. It's very far-fetched, but there's an answer for every question that you can throw at it. It's sort of like the Catholic Mm. Church. You know, you oh, go, totally. well, that doesn't make sense. And they go, well, that's God trying to test you. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, in the mind, like, what does the government give a shit about me? Like, when I first had that yeah. kind of first debate of if I should download the COVID-19 app, I was like, oh, no, I don't want people tracking me. And then I was like, who the fuck gives a, like, shit about me? <laughs> like, I'm, like, download the app. Like, it's going to help. I th- I th- yeah, I mean, I think the app, the app conversation had some other questions about yeah. it because people were concerned about the government's ability to build an app that wouldn't be then yeah. uh, used against us. Yeah. yeah. But yes, as far as the idea that the Australian government is organized and smart enough to do something mm-hmm. like that, I agree. I, I highly doubt that. that yeah. And also, I mean, I don't see what the benefit is in the government losing large amounts of money. I don't see why that no, would work. Yeah. Good. But then also it's it's kind of a concern and like I think it was going around on the internet because they had all the in here in Victoria for the international listeners, we had a whole lot of suburbs that just got locked down and they were trying to contain the outbreaks in these uh selected suburbs. Yes. But now as of today, the whole of Melbourne is in lockdown, yeah. so that didn't go so well. But um, there was a lot of people in those specific suburbs refusing testing, and it was actually, I think, um, like 10,000 refusals. Yeah. So a lot of people were kind of spreading the word that, like, oh, no, it's um Yeah, like it was the health stuff. minister that also turned around. Mm. So Jenny McArcos, she was like, 10,000 people have refused. Like, a lot of people think it's all a conspiracy theory, which is actually incorrect because, like, there's no information that has come back to the Victorian government saying that people have been saying that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, like, even she being the health minister it's is perpetuating this information. And then, like, people like Donald Trump saying fucking bleach cures it. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, well, that's a whole other scary thing. But, it's, sorry, just to go back to what you were saying there, Mikey, you're right. It, it actually was, there was a very, very, out of those 10,000 that denied it, very small percentage of people that were saying it's a hoax. Yes. But, of course, that's mm. the headline that got picked up and ran with yeah, obviously, um, and then and there was a lot of people on social media saying, "No, I refused it because the people that rocked up to do it at my house didn't have any protective gear on, or didn't oh. see an official, or didn't have any official identification on them, and Absolutely. I wasn't feeling yeah, I look, didn't feel fair, <laughs> which is I think fair enough." But um, yeah, have I, any I of you guys will... actually um, had a COVID test? Yeah, no, I, I haven't. haven't no. had one. No. So Duncan and I went. Um, we went through a drive-through one. Um, so we, it was like a, like two weeks ago or something when we went away to the, uh, the countryside for the weekend, we visited his parents and stuff. Ooh. I came back and I think on the Monday I felt a bit shivery and like a bit like cold, like symptoms. I was like, Oh fuck. Like I've just gone to the country and given COVID to his whole family. Everyone. So I was like kind of having a little meltdown. And then he's like, okay, well we'll go drive tomorrow. It was like before the spike in testing happened. And we went to Chadson and we went in the car like early in the morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. They did the test. My God, they shoved that thing far up, you know? <laughs> But oh, so, no microchips in there. <laughs> so it's important for people to know that that doesn't need to go up the nose so far anymore. 
No. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So the so new, stop it. <laughs> yeah. So the new, t- if you've been putting it off because you were scared about it going too far up your nose, don't stress. Apparently, the new tits yeah. barely, it barely did got push the cry button, and I tears came down my face. <laughs> but um, it was fine. It was so quick. Like man up, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, um, yeah, definitely get tested. And obviously, sorry, we were both. Uh, negative for COVID nineteen. Thank Love God. It. My um, partner's had to have three because he's a works uh, uh, medical doctor yeah. at a at a hospital. They have to do routine testing on the hospital staff. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's starting to get a bit scary now. The hospital situation in Melbourne. We've now shut down. So parts of of a lot of large hospitals have now been shut down. Yes. The Northern, the Alfred, the yeah. As of this morning, they had someone at the Alfred test positive. One of the doctors there. So now they're like scrambling. I think there's been a few at the Alfred. Yeah, yeah. But, and then that goes back to this whole conspiracy thing. If the doctors yeah. were all in on it, why would they be in on it? If the, all the doctors That's around the world it. are catching it and dying, you know. Yeah, I, do you think, because so many people in lockdown, do you think that's, like, breeding, like, people being more susceptible to, like, believing all this stuff because there's nothing else to do, so they're bored, so they're like, you know what, aliens came down and gave us coronavirus <laughs> by 5G towers, zooming away off the edge of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, yeah. a lot of people are letting their yeah. sort of anxieties getting the better of them, especially because there's so much uncertainty um, and there is so much misinformation. Um, I think that is unfortunately what's happening a lot of the time. I, I, just... I think you're actually really, really on the on the money there, Mikey. I think mm. um, people are scared of the unknown because we don't really know. We don't. There's so much we don't know about this virus. It's, yeah. I think, probably easier for your mind and, and uh, to feel comfortable with this crazy ex- uh, conspiracy theory because you've got someone to blame and you've got a reason, whereas if you don't know, then it's actually a little bit scarier. Um, mm. But that might be why people are so open to the yeah, idea, to these, yeah. you know, extreme ideas. Yeah, and like also like obviously a lot of people out there are very anti-government. So like I guess anything that they are saying, people are just like, no, 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 they're incorrect. Like this is a lie. This is the hoax. They're just making it up, which is really sad because especially in something that's so intense and very real, they're actually not lying about it whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, if you want some actual good conspiracies, watch Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've just started watching it. I really want to start watching it because oh I was like, I, I saw some clips about aliens. I was like, this I can get into. Love I will it. make my team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's ridiculous and far fetched, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, you see, that's a fun kind of conspiracy, guys. Take exactly. note. <laughs> and the problem is, often, like, I'm not saying all people, and I don't want to be condescending or anything like that, but often some of the people that are reading this are not the smartest people. They might not have had the same education that we've had, and that's sort of yeah. thing. And uh, and so where we sort of, um, you know, bring in those things we were taught about fact-checking and sort of yeah. looking to, for supportive evidence and that sort of thing when we're trying to make up a decision about something, they may not have those guards in place for themselves. And so and so you can sort of then see why when if it's um, theories about medication, that sort of stuff, that they are believing it. And then when you've got someone like Donald Trump who's going on television mm-hmm. and saying, you know, coming up with these made seemingly completely made up uh, theories about different medications that can work and that sort of stuff that gets very much woven into the fabric of these lies and and he becomes the saving grace that's you know trying to tell yeah. us the truth about what bill gates is doing and that sort of thing um i don't know if you saw that nursing home in the states that it's just been discovered this the, the staff at this nursing home were giving the anti-malaria pills to their elderly Stop. patients large no, doses no. of anti-malaria pills to their 
patients because that's something that Donald Trump had said and they believed yeah. that he, oh, you know, that's so they genuinely, so that's where it sort of starts becoming scary and dangerous when you've got people with power sort of. I think I actually read a study about like um, older people versus younger people and like um, older people taking things as face value, whereas young people are more likely to do research and fact check things like old people. Like that's why like on Facebook and stuff, they'll just see a video, like a lot, a lot of older people and generation stuff. They'll just see a video and just take it at face value and believe it. Whereas other people will go research and like dive more into it and stuff. Like, I guess <laughs> that's why you get um, older people with all those internet clickable mm. ads that are like downloading viruses onto their computers. But, um, um, Miss Gia Gunn, uh, I think it was last <laughs> week or the week before, oh, um, she was out and about, like doing her thing, went out to a restaurant and they were temperature checking. And she was one degree above what was deemed okay to come in and so she started filming it being like this is a hoax this is ridiculous i can't go into this restaurant and then went (laughs) home and like went on live and was just like this is a hoax why would anyone want to wear a mask this is ridiculous it's the government trying to control everybody and like force us back into our houses and everyone in the drag community like came at her with just like i wish she said i want to eat here and then the wait staff said well what you're gonna want to do (laughs) you're gonna it would have been hilarious up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, tonight we're joined by clinical psychologist Dr. Marcus Squirrel, who specializes in treatment for gay men who engage in compulsive sexual behaviors. Marcus, thanks so much for dropping in. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Hi, Marcus. Um, now, it's probably best to start with some definitions for our listeners. What is sexually compulsive behavior and how is it different from sex addiction? So look, there's lots of debate in, in the area in terms of, um, I suppose, in terms of, sort of diagnostic labels. And the one that I suppose is most commonly used by clinicians and doctors um, is, is the term sexual addiction or, or sex addiction. But there's a, there's a whole lot of other terms that also get used, such as hypersexual disorder, um, impulse control disorder, and more recently, um, out of control sexual behavior. So it's important to remember that there is no formally recognised diagnosis of sexual addiction um, in our psychiatric um, manual. And that's because there's currently sort of insufficient research and agreement amongst mental health professionals to be able to actually apply any sort of formal diagnosis to describe someone's Mm behaviour. But so just just in terms of, I suppose, what sexually compulsive behaviour is, um, it's characterised by repetitive and intense preoccupation with sexual fantasies urges and behaviours 
that are distressing to the individual. And, they, and it also has to cause, I suppose, some sort of psychosocial impairment. Mm-hmm. By that I mean, like, it's got to actually, like, impact on your relationships with other people. Because you um, often hear sort of, like, anecdotally on the scene, people will sort of use, you know, sex addict or, you know, someone has, like, a um, compulsive sexual behaviour or something as almost like a throwaway line about someone in their group that might be quite sexually mm. adventurous. Um, but it's good to hear what, the, yeah, the, the definition is it's not just someone that enjoys having a lot of sex, it's when that person lets it sort of in, mm. stops them from um, living their day-to-day life, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, got, it's got to have some sort of sort of functional impairment on, on their life, whether it's sort of impacting on, the, on their work or their ability to study. I've worked with guys who've been, I suppose, caught at work looking at internet porn and that's ended up sort of resulting in sort of disciplinary action. So that's where I suppose you can't readily regulate what it is that you're doing and it, there's negative fallout from it. And does it? do you sort of look at just the physical side of sex or is it also people using apps and things like that? Like would the time they're spending on grinder and those sorts of things be part of the behavior that you're looking at yeah so i suppose in terms of understanding people's behavior it's not necessarily face-to-face contact with people um people i suppose explore their sexuality in a whole range of different ways and sometimes it's it's by themselves in their bedroom um in, in indulging in sometimes many many hours of mm-hmm. porn other times it's um mm-hmm. face-to-face encounters with people sometimes it's also i suppose something in between even where they might be using like a, like a web-based type cam models, for example. And I've worked with people who have literally spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars over a weekend on on those models. So like wow. also, it, wow. yeah, huge amounts of money. And so, yeah, so it doesn't really d- um, denote any particular type of sexual behavior. I suppose it's any way that you can, I suppose, express your sexuality, which can become problematic potentially. Mm-hmm. So is there any research to suggest that overconsumption of pornography can lead to sort of problems in this area, do you think? I, I suppose it's, well, some people by definition would call the actual use of pornography potentially something that could lead to um, over, overconsumption. So the, like excessive internet pornography use also can become problematic if it's contributing to being up half of the night and being then sort of dead dog tired throughout the day. Does it lead people to being more, I suppose, more sexually adventurous mm. or having more sexual partners? I think probably the jury's out on that one um, because people explore their sexuality in, in different sorts of ways. Um, I don't think necessarily just because somebody watches a lot of pornography that they are then likely to sort of have lots more sexual partners. For some people, it can actually become become yeah. a substitute for real real life interactions. Mm. Um, you you actually also have a research interest in online sexual activity. Um, what other ways are people compulsively engaging on the internet? Well, as, as I said before, one of the ways that they might engage might be to use the cam sites. That's also something that, that can meet up lots of time and be certainly be extremely expensive. Um, as you know, like most of the porn people are watching, it, people aren't typically paying for it. Um, yeah, especially- I guess there's also like OnlyFans, which is so big now, and all the gays yeah. pumping that out. <laughs> yep, yep. Mm. Look, people are obviously moving away more from sort of web-based chat type sites that you might have used back in my my day. And some of the younger viewers probably wouldn't even know about things like <laughs> gay.com yeah. and some of those other ones where you were actually... <laughs> man yeah, yeah, and men out. Teen chat. I was always on teen chat when <laughs> I was in high school. Yeah, Lots, lots of people are also presenting, for, um, I suppose, for their compulsive use of cyber sex chat. Now, it doesn't always mean that people are necessarily hooking up with people um, either. Mm. For some people, it can be just the thrill of the chase. And 
it's kept exclusively mm. to just chatting. Um, that, that tends to be sort of more problematic in, in straight relationships. I, I, I find where often female partners are upset about that discovery, but it also can be upsetting for anyone. But yeah, the other way obviously is, is using, using the apps just, I suppose, for the purpose of lots and lots and lots of hookups. And it might be um, something that they're engaging in sort of most nights of their week for several hours a day. Wow. Speaking of like different parts of, I guess, someone's life that it can affect, um, what sort of effect does um, these sort of compulsive behaviours have on a men's mental health sort of in the short run and in the long term, do you think? Look, I, I suppose, I suppose the, the mental health implications can be, or can be, I suppose, increased um, isolation. If you're spending lots of time, I suppose, away from friends or away from partners, people can become quite isolated and, and not sort of build perhaps real life relationships, which can have a sort of a lot of value or a lot of meaning. Look, there's evidence that, um, that lots of sexual acting out behavior sort of increases levels of anxiety, depression and, and stress, but also it's just as likely that those same people may also be perhaps more depressed, anxious and stressed in the first place. And that's possibly why they sort of gravitate to higher levels of sexual behavior. Okay. But I think we, really, we also need to be really careful not to pathologize the behavior because that often happens amongst mental health professionals there's a bit of a joke sort of in my industry that anyone who's having more sex than the than the psychologist is, is a sex addict so what in some ways what what, <laughs> what, what is the right amount of of, of sex yeah. to be having yeah how do you judge mm, yeah, yeah 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 and i know and obviously the, the, the gay community has far far more sexual partners mm. than the heterosexual community for a whole plethora of different reasons um so perhaps the standards that we might be being judged by may not exactly be entirely appropriate. Um, but I'm sure many gay men want to know, where is the actual line drawn between sexually compulsive behaviour and someone that might actually just be highly sexually active? Look, I think, I think it's incredibly grey um, because there is no, I suppose, official test. It's very subjective. Um, I, and I think it's more helpful, I suppose, if the actual individual who's seeking help or thinking about seeking help is able to, I suppose, make their own decisions around whether or not their behaviour is problematic. So if it's causing that person distress and it's resulting in them perhaps not being able to maintain um, long-term relationships, if, if that is what they're wanting, um, perhaps also when it's linked to substance use and the person doesn't feel particularly confident having sex with people outside of um the, the substance use so mm. we often see that with i suppose with, with chem sex mm-hmm. look when, when i think the sexual behavior leaves the person feeling a lot worse about mm. themselves and there's a real, beforehand yeah and there's a real there's a real dip in their mood afterwards or it's sort of increasing feelings of shame or mm. isolation um perhaps that's also a bit, a bit of an indicator as opposed to just having a high sex life and, and being quite sexually active but what will upset one person another person will just shrug their shoulders and just say well i've got a i've got a yeah. high libido i like i like to get a lot of action so um mm. it's pretty gray just speaking of shame there do you think there are links between how gay men experience potential shame about their sexual impulses while they're children and as they're developing do you think that has a, a connection to being more prone to compulsive sexual behavior as an adult yeah there's, there's certainly some um, evidence to suggest that I think that sh- or shame often sort of manifests in internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of research to suggest that people who sort of experience more internalized homophobia, sort of more negative attitudes towards themselves and their own sexuality, and I suppose gay people in general tend to engage in higher levels of substance abuse. 
mm -hmm. higher levels of risky sexual activity to act out, more condomless sex. Mm -hmm. So I'm keen to know with people that are that are finding themselves, um, you know, acting on these impulses so obsessively, and, and you sort of mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes people are doing it at work and that sort of thing. When they are able to abstain from um, sort of sexual engagement at work, but then will find themselves breaking after work and, and going for a hookup. Is that something that they've usually planned ahead? Like, are they are they lining up these hookups on Grinder or the apps so that they're ready as soon as they finish work? Or is it more of a, like, jump on straight after work and find someone straight away or go to the, the beat and find someone straight away? I think I think it's both, to be, um, to be honest. Um, yeah. I work with some people who are lining up what they're going to do on the way home mm -hmm. perhaps they might be telling their partner that, they, that they're going off to the gym for example but instead they'll hook up with somebody on the way home and they might have been chatting to that person perhaps at lunchtime mm -hmm. for other people they might opportunistically sort of call past a beat on the on the way home and for some people it becomes their major sort of focus when they get home and sort of the the evening is dedicated to the apps and finding somebody to talk up mm. with so um, what sort of strategies do you work through for men um in those situations like possibly lying to their partners like on the way home or going to the gym and going for hookups um well i, th I think it's really important to i suppose be taking a fairly non-judgmental approach to working with it with, with, okay. with the issues mm -hmm. so um look I, I suppose the approach i'm taking is i'm trying to typically understand, I suppose, what the actual function of, of the behaviour is. What is it that they're actually looking for from the from these encounters? It, sometimes the, the, the infidelity, if they are in a monogamous relationship, is, is happening because they're just not particularly happy in, the, in their relationship or they're not very attracted to their partners and they're wanting to seek out sex um, elsewhere. For other people, it can be just more of an impulsive pattern that they've carried over into this new relationship, which just happens to be monogamous. Um, sometimes that they might start out in a monogamous relationship, but it becomes too difficult to talk about with mm. their partner, um, or they feel a lot of embarrassment or shame about wanting to open up the partner. So instead they seek out sexual contact with other people outside of the relationship agreement. Yeah. Do you ever find there's, a, there's an element of, I mean, I've, I know some people that have, have behaviour that this sounds very reminiscent of. Do you ever find that there's a self-destructive sort of um, self-loathing, I guess, that where it's actually not about them wanting to cheat on the partner, but more about that they're not good enough for a relationship, so they need to fuck it up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For, for sure. If, I suppose if you've had a whole succession of unsuccessful relationships in the in the past, you mightn't feel that you're actually worthy of your partner. Mm. So you engage in, in behaviours that that are quite ultimately sort of self destructive to the relationship. Mm. So low self esteem can can also, I suppose, fit into this and that that need to get validation from other people. For sure. I think lots of people enter relationships perhaps with the very best of intentions, and when the relationship is really exciting at the start and the sex is really hot. It's really easy to say to a partner, "Well, um, well, yeah, look, I, 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 there's no one else I want to be with. I feel really committed mm. to you." And when they say that at one point in time, they really genuinely mean it. But perhaps um, a year, two years into the into the relationship, mm. the excitement from from the relationship has, has died down, and they start to, I suppose, go back to 
some of their former patterns of behavior. Um, I guess there's also an element of like for a, a lot of younger gay men, especially quite often, I feel like our heterosexual counterparts at school learn how to warm up to a relationship and they start, you know, by having boyfriends and girlfriends in, in the start of high school and that sort of thing and, and dating and developing whilst their peers develop mm-hmm. at the same time. Whereas for a lot of gay men, they turn 18, go to a gay bar and all of a sudden they can hook up and and go on dates and and fuck people and then i guess it's it's sort of then looking at are they getting a whole lot of validation from this sex because they didn't have this slow gradual warm-up that it's sort of that sort of becomes the addiction of needing to continually hook up so when they do go into their first or you know one of their early relationships i'm speaking i guess from experience here that it's really hard to adjust to a relationship yeah i think there is a lot in what you just said just, I suppose, just a lack of opportunity of, of role models, but also the sort of like the, the psychosexual experiences and the opportunity to, to form relationships because often that's really stunted because they haven't been out whilst they're at school and their, their straight peers around them are having, having relationships and perhaps they're further on down that path than what they are. So instead, the focus just becomes perhaps to, or just to seek out validation and to explore this really exciting world that's out there and often it's explored through, through sex. And lots of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in case we all forgotten, we are actually going through a pandemic right now. Um, for people with sexual compulsions, how might lockdowns for COVID-19 be impacting their lives? Yeah, look, pretty significantly. I think yeah. on the whole, people are trying to do mm. the right thing. Um, and I suppose I don't want to overgeneralize and I suppose paint a bad picture because that's not necessarily particularly fair. I'm seeing people who are often struggling. But look, I'm... Um, it's, it's it's an issue I'm speaking about every day. For some people, they're still continuing, unfortunately, with it with their chem sex, and they're going to struggle enormously to mm. to really regulate what they're doing, despite the best of intentions in my office and sort of making mm. agreements that, that that they won't do that over this period of time. Um, I think the shame is enormous during this period of time, and mm. um, so therefore, people will perhaps if if they are going to do it, they'll seek it out perhaps in more covert ways, um, such as going to beats as opposed to perhaps necessarily oh. just hooking up online. Because if you're hooking up with people online, you're also, I suppose, running the risk of somebody shaming you or, or saying something um, sarcastic about your, about your behaviour. Yeah. I've spoken to people also who have used massage services over this period of time. That, oh, yeah. And experienced enormous shame af- um, afterwards uh, as well. And that sort of set, sent them into a real... Shame spiral. Um, mm. Look, it's it's quite possible. Also, there's an increased use of internet porn as, as well because that becomes the substitute. It's a, it's a safer way of, I suppose, of managing their libidos mm. of this period of, of time. So perhaps people might gravitate back towards that if once they were acting out um, or hooking up with people as well. I guess failing all else, you can do what the, the I think it was the um, Dutch government told everyone to find a fuck buddy for lockdown. Oh my um, god! <laughs> I don't think they use the phrase fuck buddy, but um, which is <laughs> probably Dutch not. as well. They said, you know, if you're single and you're used to hooking up, pick someone and you can hook up with them for the next four weeks, and that's your little bubble of yeah. Oh my god! Imagine having have. a designated hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, well, Marcus, thanks so much for coming and for helping our listeners understand a little bit more about this topic. It is something that we often joke about, I guess, but it's good to actually hear mm-hmm. how it really genuinely affects people's lives and and especially to think about what they might be going through during this COVID-19 time. Now, before we finish, though, um, if people have recognised some of the behaviours mentioned uh, in this episode in themselves or people they love um, and they're considering getting help, what's the first step? The first step, I suppose, is would be to um, 
to I suppose, find a potential clinician that can work with these sorts of issues. Um, somebody who's obviously LGBT friendly is going to be really enormously important. Um, I would strongly encourage people to move away from therapists that sort of practice based on a sex addiction model because I think that's mm-hmm. inherently pathologizing. Somebody who is, is more willing and more open-minded and are going to look perhaps at, the, at perhaps at the values that people have and to be able to understand, understand the function of the behavior without sort of sticking a label on you and telling you that you're bad because that's just going to drive further shame in. Mm. But yeah, I suppose, I suppose just finding a person who, who is a good match for you and probably actually interviewing the, the psychologist over the phone um, before you actually make mm-hmm. an appointment to get a bit of a sense of how they work, yeah. what their values are, because the risk of seeing somebody is you can you can make somebody, I suppose, feel a lot more ashamed and, and not actually get a better outcome. Yeah. And then not reach yeah, out. And, yeah. and, 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 not, and not reach out. So you're moving away from sort of any... Christian type services, um, I, I, I would recommend. Well, thank you again for chatting with us, Marcus. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, look, look, we've got a, a website, um, Richmond Central Psychology. We're based in Thomas Street in Richmond. Mm-hmm. There's eight of us at the practice, most of us gay psychologists. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us, Marcus. We'll talk to you soon. Pleasure. Well, it's good to be back. It's also nice. Yeah. To, I have to say, I, and look, I love my country towns, and I'm not having a go. <laughs> it's nice to be able back in Melbourne and be able to wear my own clothes. We I, when we were in Dalesford because we're staying oh. like ten minutes out. Yeah, there's obviously been a bit of tension between rural Victoria and inner city Melbourne lately, okay, and yeah. so there was definitely a bit of a vibe on the street that locals weren't too happy about having. Oh. Well, some of the locals, some of them were incredibly welcoming as, as, <laughs> as Dalesford generally is, but we saw some people yelling at tourists on the street oh. and in the supermarket and stuff like that so my boyfriend Steph and I got really nervous about going back oh into town I know <laughs> obviously it turns out it was justified on behalf of the locals because they have now had to shut down yes. the city of Melbourne Love, uh, and, and just to be very clear yeah, yeah. we didn't break any rules by I just want to be clear time. that Thomas Justice was patient zero <laughs> <laughs> but um so we decided when we were going into town that um we would try and look like locals and I don't want to sound judgmental <laughs> so I was like get your tracky dacks on oh, yeah, you know no. like put a beanie on like you know don't do your hair that sort of thing and then we were driving into town and he was because he's British like very British mm-hmm. he's like London British so he was like I'm going to try most of my Australian country act and I was like okay sweetie just, I'm, I'll do the talking and you yeah, just stand yeah, behind yeah. me just, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it oh cute but no I'm, I, I'm thrilled to be back but fuck I can't wait to go back we're well, happy to have you back in our ears Yes, but yeah, yeah. Do you know what we need to do? We need to organise because hopefully by the time Chill Out Festival rolls around, which is the big gay for anyone. When's that the big gay festival in Dalesford? It's uh, always the weekend just before Mardi Gras, I think. Yeah, oh, yes, or the weekend yeah. just after. It's around Mardi Gras. Yeah. Um, we need to organise going there because it is. Oh uh, yes, most I remember this year you were trying to get me to go. Didn't it like rain the whole time this year? <laughs> I think you're thinking of gay times in two years ago. But anyway, oh, yeah, I'm getting Chill out is very fun. We'll go to Chill out. Uh, well, yeah, we had a really lovely interview with Marcus earlier. That was great. Thank you for coming in and chatting. Fascinating. Stay tuned, though, for our Patreon listeners. We still have a little topic coming up. So we're talking about the uh, Stop Hate for Profit campaign and the corporate backlash against Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Ugh. Yeah, Zuckerberg. <laughs> I'm sorry, stay tuned for that part. Um, but until then, bye. 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 <laughs>
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 